Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Relunchables Podcast. I'm Jordan Holzer, proudly part of the Believe Podcast Network. In each episode, we'll be covering 90s, 2000s, film, TV, and pop culture. I am not alone. Each episode, I'll be having on special guests to help me relive my childhood. Thank you to Weedis for the intro music. Shout out to Rugrats for winning the Nickelodeon bracket we had up on the Relunchables Instagram account. Really stunning run, though, by Drake and Josh for making it all the way to the finals. But alas... Rugrats takes the championship belt. After the tremendous response from the Weedis episode, it seems like the fans want more musicians on the podcast, so I'm happy to oblige and give the people what they want. Next week, we're going to be joined by the lead singer of Bowling for Soup, Jarrett Reddick. Bowling for Soup was just that quintessential 2000s band with songs like Girls All the Bad Guys Want in 1985. So stay tuned for that next week. This week, we are joined by Butch Hartman, the creator of The Fairly Odd Parents, and Danny Phantom. Not sure if people remember that The Fairly Odd Parents originally appeared on Oh Yeah Cartoons, which was kind of like an incubator of sorts that ran roughly 10 short sketches from 98 to 2001 until it was picked up for a full series in 2001. Such classics as Chalk Zone and My Life as a Teenage Robot also started on Oh Yeah Cartoons before making it the full-fledged series. We get into it all on this episode and even do a little conspiracy corner where I read Butch five Reddit conspiracies about the Fairly Odd Parents, and he tells me if there's any truth to them. We were only able to get through the Fairly Odd Parents on this episode, but hopefully we have him back to discuss Danny Phantom for all you Phantom heads out there. By the way, I will end the episode with one of my favorite songs, from the series, My Shiny Teeth and Me, performed by Chip Skylark, who was voiced by Chris Kilpatrick from NSYNC. I had no idea until I started doing research for this episode. So let's get into my interview with the creator of The Fairly Odd Parents, Butch Hartman, but not before we play the classic intro music. Timmy is an average kid that no one understands. Mom and Dad and Vicky always giving him Quite the setup there. Is that your uh, home office? Yeah, we got. I got my drawings and stuff here, and um, all kinds of fun, you know, cartoony junk on the walls. You know, when you get to be my age, it's fun. You get to be my age, you you collect all this stuff, and you know, when you get to a point in your life, you can actually make a living, and you start buying action figures and things. You're like, oh boy, I'll have all these action figures I always wanted. And you, then when you move, you're like, I gotta take them all. It, it gets very boring after a while. This is a cool one, though. Let me flip this around. This is, this is a cool one. Uh, this Batman, though. See this Batman I have? Oh, that's awesome. 
Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's like okay. a, uh, it's like a, it's like a Dark Knight. Someone gave me this as a gift, and it's, it's cool because his head comes Massive. off, and he's got, yeah, it's good, and uh, it is like a different, less scarred head. You can put the scarred head on or the less scarred. So depending on how I'm feeling, I put the different head on, <laughs> on this body. <laughs> I feel like that head sets the mood for 2020 right now in COVID. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's 2020. I should put a mask on him. That'd be pretty funny. Right? <laughs> yeah, I know, man. It, it's amazing how, uh, you know, this uh, stuff I've been doing has been around for so long. And it's, I can't believe how much time <laughs> has gone by. It's just, it, it really, how old are you? Like in your 20s, right? Yeah. When you get to be in your 50s, uh, like I am, it's like, man, where did the time, the time goes like it's the blink of an eye. I'm telling you, do you have children? I don't. Not right now. Uh, maybe, maybe in a couple of years. No COVID babies, just a COVID podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I got you right. When you have kids, especially, time flies like you can't even believe. It's just, it's absolutely insane. So, uh, yeah, man, enjoy the time while it's here. I know my uh, nine-year-old self would be freaking out having this, you know, conversation with you. I remember watching even the early, early iterations of Fairly Odd Parents, and you know, on Oh Yeah cartoons, and just seeing your name in the, you know, in the title credits, and seeing Butch Hartman created by. I was like that guy must have the coolest job in the world. And ah. it's such a pleasure being able to talk to you, I have to say. Oh, dude, um, it's my honor. And I, I'm, I'm honored to be asked. And thank you for even having a, a passing interest in what I do. If I could uh, inspire anybody at all or have entertain any one person, it's, it, you know, it really is worth it. It's, it's really cool. So thank you. Yeah, I kind of want to go right into your, you know, your book, actually, you know, Mad Hustle, How to Sell and Pitch Shows in Hollywood. And I think- Are we, are we starting? Are we, are, we, are, we, are we officially starting right now? We are right into it. It's always been recording. <laughs> ABR. That's that's the name of the Very game. Cool. Yeah, I know. Okay, just, just make sure I'm, I'm dressed. Let me get all dressed up here. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Yes. The book. Yes, go right ahead, sir. Talk right now. Yes, go ahead. So, you know, I think the, the pitching process is, is kind of amorphous. You know, not a lot of, you know, people talk about it. And I think, you know, writers are so good at creating. There you go. Butch has uh, picked up the book himself. He's showing it to the camera. Mad and hustle. I, there you go. Yes, sir. And I think it, it really is a different skill set than actually selling a TV show, which a lot of writers are not as well versed in. And I think there's probably so many great ideas out there that never made it to the screen just because they couldn't get their point across in a 20 minute pitch meeting. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, um, one thing to work on a show. It's another one, another thing to create it. And I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, uh, so many creative people are out there, but like you were saying, a lot of great ideas don't get made because the person creating the idea is afraid to pitch it. They're, they're either afraid or maybe let's say they have pitched it and it didn't go well. Maybe the one, the first meeting was a nightmare and didn't go well, or maybe the first meeting was a nice meeting, but you know, Hey, we're not buying shows like that right now. We already have enough shows about fish right now. Thank you very much. But it's, it's getting the, the uh, resolve inside your heart to go, okay, well, I'll try again. It's, 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 it's all, it comes down to trying again. That's what it really comes down to. And, um, and it comes down to meeting people. I mean, I, every show that I've ever sold uh, was to somebody that I knew uh, either through connections or had a relationship for many years with them. They trusted me. They had a, you know, they knew my reputation before going in. So it really helps to pe It's very hard to sell a show cold. It can happen happens all the time but it's much easier if you have um connections and if you have uh like i said relationships with people and that's a lot of artists because i'm an artist i know a lot of artists put the headphones in and they want to sit at their desk and do this all day and 
I get it. That's your safe place. But you got to pick your head up and start looking around for relationships that can uh, take you different places. Sure. So what was the impetus, the inspiration for writing this book? I imagine, you know, was it giving advice to almost your, you know, your yourself 20 years, 30 years ago? Or was it was there some other sort of grand plan for this book? The book was written simply because um, I could tell people, hey, you have those same questions I've been hearing for the last 30 years here. I wrote a book, get the book. You know, I get the same <laughs> questions all the time and I'm happy to answer them, but I'll get so many emails with the same question. How do I pitch a show? How do I, how do I do what you did? How do I get an agent? How do I put my work together? And when you answer every individual email, you know, 30, 40 times, it's like, you know, I'm just going to make a book out of this and make it like an instructional manual, instruction manual and people can figure it out that way. And hopefully it helps. Without giving away, you know, too much of the book at all, do you have any personal anecdotes of maybe pitches that went incredibly well or pitches that, you know, maybe burned in flames and, uh, you know, kind of scarred you for life? Uh, I want to get into the Fairly Odd Parent story, but just in general, any pitches that come to mind? There was one show uh, that I pitched, and I've pitched a million shows. I, there's been a million ideas I've had, and I, I'm going to make all of them as as Thor, as, as God and Thor are my witness, you know. Uh, but... Um, I, uh, one show in particular I was really excited about, I was a show called Splatopus, where I had this little platypus character, and he was a stuntman in the movies, and he got, basically it's a show about a character getting his butt kicked the whole time. Very funny show. And Nick loved it. They were like, let's make this, let's do it. Uh, we want to give you all this money to make it. Uh, they didn't give me a ton of money, but they gave me a little bit of money to do it. So uh, I started making this show. And, and I said, at the same time I was doing Fairly Odd Parents and Danny Phantom, I'm doing this show now, developing Splatopus. And... Um, they're like, we want to get on the, we want to get it on the air this year. Like, wow, that's great. So we're working on it. We're writing it. We're making it, uh, made a pilot. Um, and you know, before I knew it, three years went by and they still hadn't put the show on the air. And then you suffer from what's called, if I can come up with a word for it. Uh, yeah, just pilot itis. They're just like, we're done. We're, like, people get sick of looking at it and they just want to move on to something else. And so it took three years to develop this pilot and we did it. We actually did two pilots for Splatterpuss. Second one was way better than the first one. I still like the first one. But um, yeah, and I was all excited. That was my, I was like, this is my next hit show. And then it never went anywhere. Fortunately, I got the rights back for it. It took 10 years to get the rights back, but I got the rights back from Nickelodeon. So I, I own that show now. So I'm going to be doing something with it in the future. I don't know, what, but it'll be pretty fun. So we'll see. Oh, that's great. Maybe that platypus ended up making into Phineas and Ferb. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they, maybe well, they what's funny was <laughs> I, I know I, I pitched it before Phineas and Ferb ever got on the air. I pitched it like in 2003 and, wow. um, and I'm like, this is going to be it. And like 2006 rolls by. We haven't made the show yet. Then I see this other show, Phineas and Ferb, with a platypus <laughs> on. And I'm like, are you guys kidding me? I had the first platypus. But anyway, I'm, I'm glad their platypus at least got, got some notoriety. So that's cool. I think a lot of people outside the business just think, oh, you know, you're Butch Hartman. You got two hugely successful shows on the air. You can pitch anything and they're going to pick it up. But that's not the case, right? No. Uh, back, in fact, it's it sometimes... Sometimes it helps. That's for sure. You'll get a meeting at least because you've made money for a studio and people will hear your, you know, they'll want to hear your pitch and hear you out and meet you. But sometimes it's a, it's a bit of a detriment. Like, Oh, that's a Butch Hartman style thing. We're looking for something different or he's been around for a long time. Let's, we want somebody, you know, uh, we want to, we want a fresh face or this and that. So I, at this point in my career, 
um, I'm battling, not that I'm, I'm losing the battle, but it's one of those things where you kind of got to go, you got to come in with an, an idea that's so amazing, they can't say no to it. You know, it's like, um, uh, you want to make them as excited as they were many, many years ago. So it's a challenge all the time. Listen, listen, being a show creator is uh, way different than being a person who works on a show. Working on a show is great, but then you got to keep finding work on different shows. And that's always a challenge as well. It's, listen, the entertainment industry is a challenge no matter what. So I wrote the book, and I'll show the book again. I wrote the book uh, simply because uh, I want to help people not make the same mistakes I made. I'd like people to learn from my mistakes and maybe bypass them themselves. That's great. And kind of moving into The Fairly Odd Parents, was there two pitches for that show? One to get on Oh Yeah Cartoons, which for my listeners who don't remember, was like a, a Fred Siebert created incubator in a sense that just showed, you know, a ton of different cartoons kind of like in seven minute increments. And that kind of birthed Chalk Zone and, you know, My Life as a Teenage Robot and Fairly Odd Parents. Was there a pitch mm -hmm. to get there and then to get picked up into a full series? Yeah, it was a big deal. In fact, I talk about this in the book. I tell the entire story from day one. Uh, but basically, I was working on Johnny Bravo at Hanna-Barbera, and uh, happy as a lark, I'm over there. By the way, a lark is a bird, just so you guys know. Happy as a lark, <laughs> so I'm over there uh, working away, and we did our first season of Johnny Bravo. I was working with a guy named Seth McFarlane. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Maybe he'll amount to something. I don't know. But Sounds familiar. Sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, it sounds familiar. So he and I working on the show were writers, and then uh, one day they came in and said, you guys are all done. We're not picking the show up. Uh, we're, you know, we're done with season one. So I was going to be out of a job. And uh, I'm like, you know, I'm tired of working for other people. I've done this. I was in the industry for about 15 years at that point. Wait, was it 15? It was about, no, excuse me. It was about 11 years at that point. And so I'm like, you know, I'm going to come up with my own idea. And I already tried my own idea a few times. And then I said, you know what? And I, I came up with this show in about 15 minutes. I drew Timmy, Cosmo, and Wanda. Uh, a lot more details about that. But I drew that real quick. And then I was under contract. I had to pitch it to uh, Hanna-Barbera first. Oh, wow. which was Cartoon Network at the time. They had just become Cartoon Network in the late 90s, mid-90s. So I uh, pitched it to, uh, to Hanna-Barbera. They turned it down. Cartoon Network turned it down. And then I went over to Nickelodeon because Fred had called me. He had done a show called What a Cartoon over on Hanna-Barbera. And that was basically you watch What a Cartoon show. It was a half-hour show with three cartoons per half hour made by different people. And then he took that concept over to Nickelodeon, called it the Oh Yeah Show. Fred said, I got one slot left. Do you have any ideas? And I had just come up with Fairly Odd Parents. I said, yes, I have this one idea. I didn't have a title for it. I called it the Fairy Godparents. I said, I got this Fairy Godparents show. So I took it over to him. It was one episode. He gave it to me. I was the last slot of the Oh Yeah cartoon show, first season. Got in. Uh, we made the pilot. They really liked it. Nickelodeon ordered like four more. Um, Fred ordered four more episodes. He gave me four more episodes. So I did four more. And then the next season, they gave me six. So I did about 11 short cartoons with Fairly Odd Parents. And then they, I took about three years. And then they took those and focus tested them. And then it became a series in 2001 on um, Big Nickelodeon. We made a, a series all of its, of its own. And then the rest is kind of, you know, cartoon, cartoon history, craziness there. <laughs> and I, it's funny. I was like, I think maybe like six years old, but seeing that first short on Oh Yeah cartoons of, you know, Timmy getting introduced to Vicky and we're seeing the parents only from like the neck down. And I think that was the first cartoon memory that I possibly have. It's incredible. And then I remember just seeing it a few years later as, you know, a full series. I was blown away. Wow. I was like, oh my God, this is the same show. 
I'm glad that's your first cartoon memory. I'm sorry that it is because it was drawn so badly, but thank you for uh, having that be your first memory. <laughs> but uh, no, we improved the look of the show. You know, I, I had the one, I had, a, I had the benefit of uh, having the show be on for so long that I was able to play with the look of it. I was able to, you know, evolve the characters in such a way where I really felt the style and the drawing was appealing. Uh, we got the writing down pat. You know, my uh, my writers were just incredible. My whole staff of writers. I cha I, We changed writers here and there during the course of the show, but, you know, we had some ones that lingered on for a very long time. And uh, they were just great. Um, you know, the Steve Marmels and the, the, the Ray De Laurentiis of the world. They were just fantastic. But, um, yeah, we just wrote some great episodes. And uh, it was always about making the characters special. Like, how can we make this show? Because the show is nothing unless the characters are special. So you always have to make sure that your characters stand out. And that's what it's all about. It's, uh, you know, I remember they first asked me, do you want to spend all your money on uh, the way the show looks? I said, no, I want to spend it on stories. They're like, you want to spend it on writers? I went, if these stories aren't good, no one's going to care what this show looks like. It's got to be great. I mean, we got to have characters like... I always point out The Office, you know, the show The Office. This was way before The Office came. Yeah. But The Office is a show that takes place in a freaking office. It's a boring little, you know, place. But the characters are so... Just people talking in rooms. Yeah. yeah, the characters are so hysterical that, you know, you, Michael Scott, you'll watch, do, and watch him do anything. You know, you'll watch him. Dwight Schrute, just give him a whole show. He's hysterical. <laughs> and you're right. So many shows, you know, change the look. Yeah, like even even Family Guy, you watch like the '99 Family Guy. It's a completely different look than the show today. Well, yeah, because you I mean, and you have to give the animators some uh, some leeway because everyone's just getting the show. You have dozens of people working on a cartoon. They all draw in a different way. They all write in a different way. You're trying to get this whole team of people to think in one way. So Peter Griffin, or Cosmo, or Timmy Turner, looks the same throughout the show. Um, the background styling, the color styling, the, you know, the palette of the show might, you know, Fairly Odd Parents looks way different than like, you know, Johnny Bravo or like, you know, the Loud House or whatever. They, they look completely different. So you have to make sure that your team is on point. You got to make sure the writing is on point. It's not just selling the show. That's what I talk about in my book too. It's not just about selling the show. It's keeping the show on and keeping it running and keeping the ratings up. And, you know, I don't even know if they do ratings anymore these days with streaming, but back in the day, <laughs> We were all about ratings. Like, what your what number did you get this week? And it was like all about well, if you didn't hit that number, you were suddenly moved out of that time slot, and then another show was put there. You're like, no, we got to keep that time slot. I remember <laughs> we were doing so well once with Fairly Odd Parents. You know, a good rating back in the day, a good rating was like a seven, a seven point something. I remember there was one Saturday morning where Fairly Odd Parents got a ten. We got like a ten rating. It was like, oh man, we were so happy. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we had some pretty fun triumphant moments because we had such a, a fun team, you know. Yeah. And those numbers are kind of unheard of today, right? If you've got a seven or, or a 10 today, that's like impossible, right? <laughs> I think only the Super Bowl might get like a five now. Like, you yeah. know, and there was one year when we, when we uh, premiered uh, the episode with Baby Poof, where Baby Poof was first born. Because um, I wanted to introduce a brand new character to the show. And uh, I thought, you know, we'll have a baby. Cosmo will have the baby. You know, fairy men have the babies, you know. Uh, so that'd be kind of funny. But I'm um, uh, when Baby Poof premiered, that was our biggest episode in like years. It like was I think only I think it got the highest rating next to the Super Bowl that year. It was like one of the biggest shows of the year. That's that was two thousand and eight. No, it was great and uh, it was so exciting. So uh, yeah, but it was a lot of fun. And I want to thank all the Fairly Odd Parents fans out there, yourself included, that watched the show over the years. So thank you. <laughs> oh, it's our pleasure. And 
I have to ask you an impossible question, but do you think without that stint on Oh Yeah Cartoons, do you think Fairly Odd Parents would have been picked up just by Nickelodeon without that or no? It's interesting. Every show has its own journey. I mean, every show uh, starts in a different way. I would hazard a guess that it probably would not have because they had to see a uh, progression of the show. They had to see all the shorts I made. Fred Seibert was a huge champion of mine. Fred Seibert pushed the show. He was a big fan of mine, just me personally, because he saw that he, he always told me that he saw how hard I worked. Uh, he was rooting for me. He he would go into meetings that I couldn't be in. He'd be in exec meetings that I wasn't in, and he would you know root for the show and push it and stuff like that. So he was a big champion. It always helps to have connections, and I I won't you know I, I don't know if I said this already, but it make make sure you have those connections and those resources. Do not be an island under yourself. You'll get very little done. Yeah, nobody will want to work with you because if you're just by yourself. I mean, I'm, I shouldn't say I want to work with you. They will. If you're talented, they will. But, you know, I'm, I'm just encouraging you for you. Get out and, and, you know, be a more personable person so you can enhance and grow in your own career, you know? Yeah. I think that's great advice no matter what industry you're in. It's always good to put a face to a name. No, exactly. And, and by the way, you know, it's like um, all the people I went to college with in the early 80s. I went to CalArts in the early 80s. All those people are like running the industry now. They're all at Pixar. They're all at Disney. They're all all over the place. You know, they directed some of the biggest movies of the '90s and the early 2000s. It's like I know all these people because I went to school with them. You know, so it's much easier to, to you know put a phone call in or uh, you know uh, get a meet. Like I could call these guys right now and say, "Hey, can I meet you? I have an idea." So instead of going through my agent and trying to, you know, climb the ladder, it's like, I know these people, I can just call them up. I've had lunch with them a thousand times. So, you know, I want you guys to, you know, be able to do that too. Awesome. And I kind of want to go back to just the Fairly Odd Parents and some of the discrepancies from the early iterations to what we ultimately saw. And I believe, you know, Timmy's hat was was blue and not pink, Wanda's hair color. Oh, yeah. I, love the, I love the videos you do on Instagram, by the way, where you kind of go back and, you know, show all the different discrepancies with the with the characters. And, you know, even, you know, Crocker, right. he was supposed to be in another show and maybe Timmy was supposed to be named after your brother, all these different things. So I just want, I just want you to touch That's on right. a little bit of this. <laughs> Hold on, Butch. Give me a minute to tell my listeners about Simply Safe Home Security. What's the number one sign of a bad home security system? A home security system that's so complicated, you never use it. That's exactly the type of system Simply Safe has spent a decade fighting against. It was designed to be easy to use while protecting your whole home 24-7. Order online, open the box, place the sensors, plug it in, and your home is protected around the clock. It's that simple. If you don't have Fairly Godparents to make a wish and make your home safe, then get Simply Safe. Head to simplysafe.com team and get free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com team. It feels good to fear less. And now, back to the show. Oh, yeah, cool. In fact, Beck, now that you're mentioning this here, I actually have a postcard. Fred just sent me this. Oh, wow. This is one of the first postcards I ever drew. This is drawn back in 1997. You can see Timmy's hat is blue right yeah. there. See that? Now, I had already did a drawing of him where his hat was blue, but then I changed it to pink. But then we were doing these postcards. I really hadn't drawn the characters that much at this point. So this is one of the first drawings. Wow. So I kept his hat blue, and I didn't like it. <laughs> and you'll see that Wanda's, Wanda's eyes are blue there, too. And I don't like yeah. them. So we changed it to pink. And here's another postcard I did later on. You can sort of see their final designs there. Oh, wow. You know? Uh, so that's kind of, we're getting more final design there. So, you know, again, having the luxury of time and be able, being able to develop the characters there, you know, um, you just try different things. You're like, you know, I, I made a rule. I remember I'm going to give all the fairies pupils. They're going to have like colorful eyes and the humans like Timmy and Vicky 
you see Timmy here. Timmy just has a big blue circle for an eye, and Vicky has like just pink eyes. All the humans will have just one color for the eye, and the fairies will have two colors for the eyes. I mean, those little silly things you don't even remember doing, but I remember that was the rule I did, you know. And um, I just shot a YouTube video yesterday where I talk about the language of the fairly odd parents, meaning when you're going to draw them. They all kind of have the same head shape, the same ear shape, the same eye shape. It's just basically a cookie cutter where you have Cosmo's face, but you put Wanda's hair on top, you know, and you put oh. Timmy's face and, you know, you can just interchange the faces. And that, that language is sort of, um, it's almost like an alphabet. You're like, you know, the Greek alphabet is different than the Hebrew alphabet, but it's all the, a language unto itself. Like the Fairly Odd Parents was a language unto itself. And every cartoon has their own language. So I, I kind of did a video about that. We'll see if anybody watches it. But, um, you know, <laughs> it was kind of fun explaining it. I'll be sure to watch it. Uh, I want to go into just the cast that you had and the incredibly talented voice actors that you had really bringing these characters come to life from Tara Strong to Darren Norris, who my listeners would know as oh, yeah. Gordy on Ned's The Classified School Survival Guide, Suzanne Blakely, Rob Paulson. Like, it's kind of insane, mm -hmm. the cast that you got. How fortunate were you in the, in even in the process of casting these people? And I don't know if you could even imagine how successful it would have become in really bringing these characters to, to fruition. Yeah, you know, we, uh, again, the uh, when we first started Fairly Odd Parents, again, this is, again, this goes back to 1997, 1998, right? Uh, we're talking, most of these people were just starting out at the time. Tara yeah. had done a lot, of, Tara had done some stuff, but no one really knew Tara as much as they, not nearly as they know her now, of course. Gray Delisle has told me, and this is her telling me this, that I was like the first job, one of the first jobs she ever got. Uh, and Darren was pretty new at animation. I mean, everybody, we we're all, this is 25 years ago. You know, this is like almost, you know, gosh, a long time ago. And, um, you know, they, they were all just kind of starting out. So was I. We were all just kind of getting going in our career. And so to, to be able to meet all these amazing people and grow with them and go, you know, because, you know, when someone comes in, you know if they're right or not. You're like, look, this person's hysterical. I can tell they add something. You know, here's your lines of dialogue you've written. And they add something to it and make it even funnier. Like, okay, that's perfect. I remember there was a moment where I was toying with giving Gray Delisle the part of Wanda, um, Vicky, and um, uh, the mother, like Timmy's mom. And I'm like, I don't think I can do all three parts because if she gets sick, I can't. I can't. Yeah, well, nobody. Just logistically. So, uh, I ended up giving yeah, so you got to think about those things. And they were like, do you want to cast an actual kid as Timmy Turner? And I was going to actually have, I was thinking having a boy, like a young boy or a young girl come in, but I know their voices change when they get older. I didn't want to have to be stuck for recasting all the time because I'd already been through that on some other shows I'd worked on and seen it happen. So and I'm like, no, I'm going to get a girl, I know, a grown woman who can do a kid's voice so I can always have this person. And Tara wasn't even the first um, voice for Timmy Turner. We had a lady named Mary Kay Bergman who sadly passed away. And, uh, you know, then Tara came in and took the role over. And, uh, you know, Tara, Mary Kay was amazing. And then Tara came in and was just as amazing and uh, was able to add to it too. So, but yeah, I mean, the cast was great. Rob Paulson was just dynamite, you know, um, calling him. I, I'd worked with him and Hanna-Barbera on a couple of things and called him in uh, for Mark Chang. Yeah, and he, we had to do Danny Phantom's dad, you know, uh, Jack Fenton, you know, and, uh, that kind of thing. So, and Carlos Elizraki coming in as Mr. Cracker. Oh, mother. <laughs> and that was a character. That was a character that wasn't even conceived of when the series was conceived of. Mr. Crocker came way later. You know, I needed a, because the, the first few episodes were Timmy at home and Vicky was the villain. 
you know, Vicky was the villain. But I'm like, now he's got to go to school. I need a villain at school. Yeah. So we came up with that. But I needed to be a male villain because we already have a female villain. So we need a male guy. And just, I just make him just a pathetic teacher whose dreams have been shattered, you know? <laughs> and we have to, you know, he's a guy who, if he can just find these fairies, everything will be different, you know? And, um, and having him live with his mom was so funny. And Carlos, <laughs> can you do the voice of the mom too? It's got to sound like a man doing a woman's voice. And that's exactly what we got. I think Crocker was was one of my favorite characters. And I love the episode where we kind of go back in time and see him as a young kid. And he actually was such a reveal to see that he had Cosmo and Wanda himself. And he accidentally revealed the secret. And that's why he got him taken away and kind of turned into, you know, this crazy, you know, conspiracy theorist. And I don't know, it was one of my favorite episodes as a kid. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Yeah, we worked hard on that one. We were like, you know, we got to make sure Crocker is not just a guy after the fairies. He's got to be somehow bound to them. And that's why he's so into this. There's something in him that drives him. What could it be? We're like, this is so great. And and we're like, you know, as we started talking about that episode, the secret origin of Denzel Crocker, we're like, it'd be really cool. What if he had the fairies back in the 70s? That'd be really cool, man. Like, that's why, you know, he has all these. And he was a great kid. And he was like having a blast. His life was amazing. (laughs) And then... Then he loses his hair and his teeth grow and his ear drops down to his neck. And you're like, oh, my God. Yeah, so it's so funny. Yeah, we had such a great time writing that stuff. You really made him an empathetic character and somebody actually, you know, people could relate to in a sense. And I kind of want to go to another episode that you guys did in a trilogy in a sense. We just had Debbie Derryberry on the podcast, who I know came mm-hmm. on your podcast mm-hmm. too, Speech Bubble. And, you know, that Timmy, yep. you know, the Jimmy Timmy Power Hour you know, was was just mind blowing as a kid who loved Jimmy Neutron and Fairly Odd Parents, even to see the mix of, you know, the CG versus the 2D animation. How did that come about? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, we, uh, it, 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 there's, it's funny. It's something that had it not come about, we would have all been morons. We're all in the same <laughs> building. The Fairly Odd Parents crew is over here. The Jimmy Neutron crew is over here. <laughs> Timmy Turner is 10 years old. Jimmy Neutron's 10 years old. Um, one is all about science. One's all about magic and their names rhyme, Timmy and Jimmy. We're like, are we kidding? What is guys? We have to do this. So we sort of went to the Jimmy Neutron crew. We're like, would you guys be into this? And they're like, of course it'd be great. And so we pitched it to the network. They're like, oh, it's great. So it just came down to writing the episode. And I, but then we're like, I, I, I think it was me or one of the writer. We're like, look, I think they should switch worlds. I think, I think we got to somehow put Timmy and Jimmy's world and Jimmy, I, how cool would that be to see Timmy animated CGI and then, you know, Jimmy animated 2D. And then that's kind of where that came out. We did three of those. There were three yeah. ver- three episodes we did. Yeah. That's so uh, it was pretty fun. Yeah. And they were, and these were hour long episodes too. These were massive to do an hour long episode on a TV schedule is always massive. Like when we did uh, the Fairly Odd Parents movie, Abracatastrophe, that was a, uh, a massive under, that was our first movie that we did on TV. And um, the network only allows you a certain number of episodes. Like you get 20 episodes this season. Well, to make this movie, we need to do two episodes. We need to, we need to have four episodes become this movie. So it, it eats up your episode. But they wanted a movie, so that's what we did. So there are so many episodes that come to mind as, you know, my favorites, the one where even Timmy wishes that there was no sound. And it's kind of just like a silent episode with amazing sound effects was one of my favorites. And of course, the Chip Skylark episode, you know, my shiny teeth in me. Mm-hmm. And uh, what else? Mm-hmm. You know, Timmy going into the Internet to retrieve an email that he sent to Trixie and, you know, yeah. going into the yeah. television. And there For was you, one channel. Chaser. Yeah, channel chasers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That one. For you, is there one that stands out, you know, all this time, you know, that really makes you, you know, maybe one that you've written, maybe one that you didn't, just one that really sums up the creativity of the show for you? 
Wow. You know, uh, there's so many episodes and I'm so grateful for all of them. And we had such a blast. I mean, some, some weren't as great as others simply because when you're on a TV schedule and if someone drops the ball at all, if the script isn't perfect, you don't have time really. You don't have as much time as you'd like to go back and fix it. If the storyboard isn't perfect, you don't have time. So you're doing your best to just play catch up all the time on these shows. And, uh, but I think one of the ones I really am, I mean, I'm super proud of all of them, but I think really, I think Channel Chasers is probably one that sums up the creativity of the show, what the show could be. Because uh, we got to go into the, we didn't, Timmy just didn't go into uh, television. He went into all my favorite shows as a kid. And he got to go into Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo he got yeah. to go into Charlie, Charlie Brown. And he got to go into Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Sesame Street. And, you know, it just goes on and on. We had Johnny Quest and Speed Racer. We, I think we're like, what else can we do? We need, I mean, you know, <laughs> how many more shows did we grow up with? Flintstones, you know. And there's like 10 or 12 shows he goes into, Rugrats and all this stuff. So having the, everything change styles and um, – having it be a huge movie and that people still talk about that movie to this day. They, that's one of their favorite movies I hear that they really, really love. So I'm eternally grateful for that. And uh, we had such a great time doing that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So many great episodes. I'm so curious though, when you're creating, are you constantly just doodling throughout the day? Are you constantly just coming up with characters and before you even write, are you, do you have to visualize it with a storyboard with actual characters in place? Or are you just thinking of dialogue in your head? How is, what is your creative process? I know it's difficult to define, but how do you kind of work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, right now, if you can see my desk here, I have I have a mixture of uh, I got four sketch pads over here. I have my iPad right here that I draw on. Here's my here's my iPad that I'm working on something, and um, I'm actually writing a development script right now for something I'm working on. And uh, so I'm in between writing this development out because I can't draw anything unless I know what I'm writing. I mean, it depends. Sometimes I'll draw a character that I love, and I'll go, "That's cool. Let me write something up here." But in this situation, I'm um, developing a show uh, for a pretty major situation and I'm excited about it, but uh, it's a show I had a long time ago that never sold. So I'm going, I'm redeveloping it and um, writing the, uh, I guess you would say the Bible for it right now. And so, uh, you know, who are the characters? What are they about? Because when I wrote this 16 years ago, the world was a lot different, you know? So I'm actually updating it a little bit and uh, yeah, doing some drawings for it. And so uh, working on that. So yeah, it's a mixture of everything. Um, I've got a huge, I do a lot of commissions for people too. So I'm, I'm in the mixture of uh, drawing commissions and developing these things. So it's uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So I kind of want to go into a little conspiracy corner, if you'll indulge me for a bit. And I have five Reddit conspiracies about the Fairly Odd Parents that I kind of want to Ooh. read to you. And some of them, maybe you've disproved already on your you know YouTube page and Instagram, but I kind of want to ask you if there's any credence or any credibility to any of these uh, conspiracy theories here. Is that all right? Okay. I will draw the shades and I will uh, <laughs> turn on the infrared goggles and we'll go into conspiracy land. Here we go. Cue the uh, X-Files music here. Uh, so, you know, the Dinkelbergs, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the Dinkelbergs, the neighbors, Timmy's dad, yes. hated. Was this a play on the word Dink, you know, dual income, no kids? Was that something in your mind when you're writing the name of the characters or no? Oh my gosh, you know what? That's hilarious. I'd never thought of that ever. Really? No, I've never thought of that. No, that's the first time I've ever heard of that. That's great. No, I don't think we ever thought of that. Uh, we just said Dinkelberg was a funny word and that's their neighbor. Wow. You know? <laughs> <laughs> No, my guys, that's great because they were dual income, no kids. Yeah, that's for sure. Because I guess we always thought that, you know, the the parents were jealous, you know, of having, you know, these neighbors who could kind of do whatever they want. (laughs) Well, that's why dad, that was one of dad's more, one of dad's hate, you know, reasons for hating Dinkelberg. It's like, uh, I remember this one where they played charades and they lost to the Dinkelbergs and dad's like, and uh, dad goes, oh, you know, kids. And Dinkelberg goes, I know, that's why we don't have any. (laughs) 
Yeah. So no, no truth to that one. No truth. No to that truth one. to that one. Okay. We're yeah. we're zero for one so far. Okay. Next one. Zero for one. Yes. We're uh, we're Cosmo and Wanda, and I'm sure you get this one a lot. Were they all in Timmy's head? You know, we see the magic play out, but it never really affects reality in any you know permanent sense. Were they mm. all in his head? Maybe his actual godparents died in a terrible accident, and he kind of reimagined <laughs> them as Cosmo and Wanda. Any credence to this theory? No, not that one either. No, I, I, I we, didn't start, we, we weren't being that morbid. It was actually, we, as far as we were concerned, things were really happening. It just happened in Timmy's circle of life. Again, Timmy's only 10, so he didn't know how to affect the rest of the world. So that was pretty much just it. Yeah, Timmy has magic and all goes back to normal. No one knows. And that was about it. Yeah, I wish I, wish I could say it was more grandiose than that, but no. Okay, uh, next one here. Was, uh, was Poof actually not Cosmos, but Wandissimos? Because we see, as you talked about with the eye color, the purple eye right. color, it matches Wandissimo right. and not the green of Cosmo. Hmm. Good question. No, no, we didn't get that deep into that either. This is not a soap <laughs> opera. It, it's actually Cosmo and Wanda's baby. I guess you guys don't know how fairy DNA works. When you combine pink and green, you get purple. And I don't know why anybody doesn't understand that. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, next one here, we're 0 for 3. This is not going well for all of our fans on Reddit. I, I know, uh, I'm sorry. I, I, <laughs> yeah. uh, next one, are, are Danny Fenton and Timmy Turner the same person? Did Timmy just wish to be Danny Fenton and really, you know, Cosmo and Wanda kind of align to, you know, Wanda turning into jazz and Cosmo turning into frostbite? Did Timmy just turn into Danny? Very good question. And I, I you know, I, that's one of the theories I respect the most because I went, wow, they really had to dig deep and, and they, they really had to connect a lot of dots to make that one work. Yeah, unfortunately, you're <laughs> 0 for 4. That is not true either. I'm sorry. Those shows are both separate. We didn't get that deep. I, gosh, I wish I had. I wish I was that smart. I really am not that smart. You guys, fantastic, fantastic conspiracy. But no, unfortunately, I'm sorry. Okay, uh, last one here. Can I stay on the show? Am I, am I kicked off the show? You know what? Maybe you could have indulged us on the Dinkelberg one at least. But uh, let's go to the last one here. I'm sorry, <laughs> I know. Yes. Uh, last one. Are Cosmo and Wanda actually metaphors for antidepressants? And is Crocker actually playing Timmy's psychiatrist in real life that's trying to, you know, try to make him take his medication? That's totally true. <laughs> How did you guys guess that? It's amazing. How did you guess that? <laughs> That's how I pitched the show. <laughs> this show's all about medicine, everybody. That's what it's about. Yeah, no. Um, no, unfortunately, that one is not true either. I, I wish uh, I wish one of these, I wish there was a grand prize somebody could yeah, win if that was yeah. true. A signed copy of the book, maybe. I don't no. know. Oh, maybe so. Yeah, but, uh, but alas, they weren't right. So, uh, you know. <laughs> But good questions, though, man. I like that. I like that. I've heard some of those. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Butch, thank you so much for your time. Before we get into our five rapid fire questions that we always end on, I just wanted to ask you just in general about it seems like especially during the time of COVID, everyone's kind of going back like this podcast, kind of reliving the 90s, early 2000s, mm -hmm. when I think especially children's programming was at the absolute peak. And all the Fairly Odd Parents episodes are up on CBS All Access. Have you found a resurgence for your work, Danny Phantom and Fairly Odd Parents? You know, it's interesting. Um, I appreciate that question. And again, so super grateful for all the fans and supporters over the years. Um, always be eternally grateful. The, uh, I, I have found a little bit of a resurgence, yes. And uh, uh, it's really weird. I've never really noticed that the, the, like the resurgence means that the surge went down. <laughs> I've never really felt the surge go down. I've always had a lot of people, especially people like your age who've grown up with the show, the older you get and the more your adult mind starts expanding, you're like, wow, I can start watching this stuff and appreciating it in a different way. So I've really had a lot of people um, 
really appreciated over the years and, and still appreciate it, which is really a thrill. So yeah, a bit of a resurgence though, for sure. And, um, uh, there may or may not be uh, some things we can talk about in the future. I can't Ooh. talk about yet, but we'll see. And uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll. Um, no, I'm just gonna <laughs> leave it at that. I'm leaving it right there. I'm just leaving it right there, as vague as possible. Perfect. Uh, I want to get into our five rapid fire questions, and I want to start with: Are there any TV shows that you're currently uh, binge watching right now? Oh yeah, The Office for sure. I watch The Office all the time. And uh, Office, I remember when it was first airing. I watched it all the time, every week, week to week on NBC. But now it's streaming. I watch them all the time. So I watch The Office all the time. Yeah, for sure. Love that. Show. Do you have a favorite episode of The Office? Oh, it's got to be the dinner party when everybody comes over to. It has to be right. Michael's kind of yeah. There's so many great ones though, but that's one of my putting favorite. the TV. It just folds right <laughs> into the wall. <laughs> when I have a party, because he has so many parties. I also love the whole bank of episodes of the Michael Scott Paper Company. I love that whole. Those are my favorite. Oh too. my gosh! He goes. One of my favorite lines is, "If you stop me, I'll come up with another paper company and another." I have no shortage of company names. <laughs> It just, it just brilliant casting as Idris Elba coming in there, right? Oh, just playing the straight man. Just perfect. Genius. Just perfect. And he was dynamite. Yeah. He was perfect. He <laughs> <laughs> was just perfect. Yeah. And then uh, I, I stopped liking The Office when Michael left. I, I, and it was still, there were still some great shows in that. I, I even liked um, uh, James Spader as Robert California. Yes. <laughs> but it just yes. wasn't the same without Michael. You had to have Michael on there. Oh yeah. Uh, next one. Any uh, favorite restaurant that you have in LA? Oh my gosh. Favorite restaurant. Uh, da, 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 da. There's one restaurant I love called Wood Ranch. It's a barbecue place out in Agora Hills, California. I love that. I also love a place called The Stand. It's kind of a quickie burgers and shakes place. It's right over here by my office. I like that because during COVID they were open. They remained open for me and I got to go in there every, <laughs> every day. So uh, yeah, I like that. So yeah, that kind of place, that kind of stuff. And I also love Mastro Steakhouse on the beach in Malibu. That's a great place. Uh, so I know there was a bit of a ratings war between Fairly Odd Parents and SpongeBob SquarePants. So I have to ask you if there was a crossover episode in which we did a battle between the Fairly Odd Parents characters and the SpongeBob characters, who do you think would win? Well, I'm a little biased. I have to say probably Fairly Odd Parents, but I have a feeling Cosmo would be afraid. Magic, Cosmo would be right? afraid of the water. Yeah, they got magic, but Cosmo would be afraid of the water. So I think he'd be a, he'd be a, a detriment and, and, uh, Patrick and, and um, you know, SpongeBob would have probably defeat them just by <laughs> holding them underwater and drowning them. So I don't even know. Uh, it, it depends. I think he quite, <laughs> SpongeBob would probably destroy the Fairly Odd Parents from the amount of toy merchandise that they've made. So, you know, <laughs> he would just bury them in all of his merch. You know, that's what would happen. Maybe it depends. We could do a home and home. Maybe, you know, one episode of Dimsdale, one in Bikini Bottom. I would oh, love to yeah. see like the Crimson Chin, Catman, Jorgen Von Strangle versus like Larry and, you know, against Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. You know, I would just love to see that. <laughs> oh, exactly. No, I would. I did a drawing of that where I did the Crimson Chin and Catman versus Mermaid Man and Barnacle oh, really? Boy. Yeah, I did a drawing on my Instagram. Yeah, it's in there. It's out there somewhere. Uh, was there any, you know, cartoon or other animated show that you weren't a part of, but you just really admired from afar and you're like, man, that's really creative. I wish I could, I wish I could do something like that. I wish I could have created that. Oh, there's several. That's a very good idea. Uh, very good question. Uh, there's several ideas. I'm like, oh, I should have thought <laughs> of that great idea. One of them is Ben 10. I think yeah. it's a great story. I mean, I was like, I'm like, I had just come up with Danny Phantom at the same time. And I'm like, well, at least I got Danny Phantom, which I love. But I mean, like Ben 10 such a killer idea. I love that idea. And that's more of an action boys uh, idea that I'm jealous of. Another idea that I'm super jealous of that I should have thought of is Doc McStuffins. <laughs> a little girl 
I'm serious. A little girl who's a veterinarian for stuffed animals. I went, oh my God, that's so great. That's, and so is Blue's Clues, another yes. idea. I love that idea. So uh, I'm probably more jealous of some preschool ideas <laughs> than any other idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Last one, and I know you maybe touched on this vaguely, but if Nickelodeon ever approached you about doing something else in the Fairly Odd Parents universe, I know we've kind of seen everything from TV movies to live action. But I know you were maybe potentially developing a Crash Nebula series that didn't take off. But after 10 seasons and, you know, three mm. live action films, is there anything else you'd want to see in this universe? Gosh, you know, I'd love to uh, maybe do another movie. I mean, another movie would be great. Um, a lot, maybe do some, something in live action would be really cool to do just to give it a try. It's a little limiting in live action because you can't do as much magic that way. You can't do it. You can't be as adventurous as you can when you just have to draw something. And I would just love to redo the episodes. I mean, not redo, like make new versions of the old ones, but I'd love to do just a whole bunch of new episodes. I think that I just think the show has so uh, many legs left. I think you can still really get some great stories out of those characters because the characters are so rich. And I really think just another another bank of animated episodes would be great. I hope that doesn't sound boring to no. people, but it'd be just fun to do some brand new ones. I think I speak for all my listeners when I'm like, yes, yes, please, Butch. Yes, please. Uh, Butch, I can't thank you enough for your time. <laughs> if you're up for it, I'd love to have you back to cover Danny Phantom. I know we didn't have enough time on today's episode, but you've been such a, such a pleasure oh, sure. to talk to. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'd love to come back and talk about Danny Phantom. That show has a completely different fan base than Fairly Odd Parents, and uh, um, and and just the the fan base is rabid for that show. Oh, yeah. And I'm just uh, super excited to always talk about that. So yeah, you let me know. We'll be back for sure. But thanks for having me on. It's been my honor. And thank you guys for being such fans. And uh, you know, I can't thank you enough because it wouldn't happen without you. So thank you. I would like to thank my guest. Butch Hartman for coming on the podcast. You can find him on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, pretty much everywhere. You can also buy his book, Mad Hustle, How to Pitch and Sell Shows in Hollywood. In just a few short seconds, we're going to be playing My Shiny Teeth and Me. You can subscribe to the Relunchables podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave us a rating or review, five stars only. Take it away, Chip. When I'm feeling lonely, sad as I can be All by myself in an uncharted island in an endless sea What makes me happy, fills me up with glee Those bones in my jaw that don't have a flaw My shiny teeth and me My shiny teeth that twinkle just like the stars in Shiny teeth that glisten Just like a Christmas tree You know they walk a mile Just to see me smile Woo! Shiny teeth and me Yes, they're all so perfect So white and pearly Brush, gargle, rinse A couple breath mints My shiny teeth and me My shiny teeth so awesome Just like your favorite song My shiny teeth that blossom So they grow to be Shiny teeth, I love them, and they all love me. Or should I talk to you when I've got 32? Woo! Shiny teeth and me. Shiny teeth and me. Shiny teeth, 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.